Hello, and thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. key points from last week. We looked at Romans 8.1. We looked at what it means to be in Christ. Um, Actually, we'll just kind of read that that one verse to you guys real quick. Are we going back to that Romans 8.1? Yeah, I'll read it real quick. Feel free to turn there if you want. Romans 8.1 that we looked at last week. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And we stayed there in a little bit, kind of looked at what it means to be in Christ. We looked at what it means that there is no condemnation, not some condemnation, but no condemnation. And on the flip side, we looked at, okay, for those who are not in Jesus Christ, there is condemnation. Uh, did we, we also, only read, sorry, Ben, did we, did we only read verse 1, or was more we dived into? Uh, we just wanted to maybe, like, verse 2 or 3 as two well. Three. Okay. Mostly just verse 1. Cool. Thanks. Um, we kind of looked at Jeremiah 31, 34, and Isaiah 43, 25, both kind of the way it words it. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. And I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. We went into the question of, does God forget our sins when they're forgiven? And we looked at, you know, similar thoughts from like 1 John 3, 6, where it says anyone who keeps on sinning does not know God. It doesn't mean that if you sin again, you you don't know God. It means you're living in habitual sin. In the same context, Jeremiah 31, 34, and Isaiah 43, 25, even though it's saying, I'll never again remember your sins, God doesn't forget our sins. He won't hold it against us. That's the context of what that means. Of, I've forgiven your sins. I haven't forgotten them because he's God. And if he can forget our sins completely and not even remember them, that would mean that we're smarter than God and we know more than God, and that's not the case. So we kind of looked at that a little bit. And lastly, last week, we kind of went into a um, little, little bit at the end. Psalm 103.12, he has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. And we looked at, again, what that means of, you know, why didn't he say as far as the north is from the south? Because when you start going north, you're eventually going to hit a point where you can't go north anymore. And if you keep going that direction, you're going south. And if you keep going south until you can't go south anymore, you reach the point where you just can't go south anymore. And you keep going, and you're going north again. So there is a limit to north and south. East and west, there's no end. You can go east forever. You can go west forever. That's how far his his um, that's how far he's removed our sin from us, as far as the east is from the west, and that it's it's limitless. It's it's unending. Um, he's that's how much he's removed our sins and he's forgiven us. So that was kind of what we talked about last week. This week, if you want to turn to First John one nine, not John one nine, First John one nine, near the end of the Bible. Chapter 1, verse 9. First John, chapter 1, verse 9. Almost all the way near the end. Does anyone want to take that, just verse 9? I got it. Go for it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and, 
and he is faithful and just and will forgive us our forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Awesome. I like the words there. Faithful and just and will forgive us. Not yeah. just won't not just, you know, forgive us. Will forgive us. I like that right there. Yeah. And purify. What are you guys' thoughts on this before before we dive in? What is what does that mean to you? Or what does that mean? Or what's going on? Or is there a condition? He not only forgives our sins, but he also cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. So that now, because a righteous person can cannot be a sinner, and a sinner cannot be a righteous person. Mm. So when you accept Jesus Christ, you not only your sins aren't washed away, but you now become a righteous person. Yes, you might sin, but you're no longer a sinner. You're no longer someone that, like you said earlier, you don't live in a habitual, like that word, that's a hopeful, hope. <laughs> habitual sin. So that's what I like about it. That it's not, you're not just forgiven of a sin, or past sins, or even future sins. It's You almost now get to walk with Jesus Christ in his righteousness. Mm. Well said. That glare coming through, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. What else? Any other thoughts? Honesty is important to him. Yeah? Mm hmm. How so? He's saying if we like confess our sins, if we're honest about like what we've, what we've done, what we're doing, he'll forgive us. Is that a condition? Is that something that we have to do in order to receive that forgiveness? Mm -hmm. If we oh, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let's look at it on the flip side. If we don't confess our sins to him, then what? Is he not faithful? He's still faithful, but he Don't, we're not recognizing that we sinned or we fall, you know, we, we did something wrong, so we're continuing to be the, um, a slave to that sin, to that wrongdoing that we did, instead of letting it go and giving it to him and being like, hey, you know, I know that this isn't, didn't please you, so I'm asking for forgiveness and help me to, like, not do it again, or to have that, you know, in mind, if I come close to doing it again. Again, that honesty that um, Liz mm -hmm. was saying. <laughs> That's cool. Okay. I think it's a valuable context for like verses 5 through 10 of the New Testament that it, it talks about. Um, do you want me to just read it? Or do you want me to yeah, we're actually just about to get to the next, so oh. might as well go for it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go for it from verse 5. Yeah, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Character 
his personality, who he is, doesn't change. He's, he's been that person since the beginning. Nothing changes him, who he is, what he is, what he does. Nothing will change. We can't change him. But we do need to come to him honestly and humbly to like ask him for, for forgiveness so that we can see his faithfulness. We can see that he forgives us and he cleanses us and so that we don't, we're not slaves to that, to that sin anymore. And we, we feel that freedom um, to be, to live in the light like it's saying here um, and not be in that darkness anymore. So I wanna I wanna tune into verse nine a little bit longer here. Because at first, you know, I'm putting together those the first half and the second part, the condition and then what will happen. If we confess our sins to him, then he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all, all unrighteousness. But going back to that flip side, if we don't confess our sins to him, I'm just gonna read it in the complete opposite of, of what was originally written here. If we don't confess our sins to him, he is not faithful, and he won't forgive us our sins, and he won't cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Does that sound accurate or not accurate? Yeah. More or less. Like so, the yeah. I think you can. I think verse ten says, "If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us." So like. It's saying, and I was thinking about this a lot because I have somebody in my life who takes um, the Bible extremely literally in English, which probably not necessarily always the best thing to do. So, like, we don't have the capacity to make God a liar. God is not a liar. It's not saying that we make God lie. What it's saying is that His word is has no effect on us, and He has no effect on us because we do not allow Him to. Like, um, so yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyone else? Yeah, go for it. Um, I think it also can attribute to arrogance, um, correlating to that, um, and to be the more righteous than God, instead of you know understanding that God is all and unrighteous. So um, that's the first thing that comes to my mind when, in those lines, it could also be an, an act of arrogance and pride. Okay. In and of itself, it's a sin. Yeah, that's a good thought. Anyone else? I, I feel like I, I feel like I see a few faces struggling with this. Go for it. I think as it applies to our life, I think you can speak it in the opposite when it applies. But I think I agree with Zach wholeheartedly. God's a constant. God is love, God is truth, God is faithful, God is just all the time. But as it applies to our lives, we're not going to see that effect of God in our lives. Maybe that makes sense. Okay. You got something? I just like being opposite on people and I really disagree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> only reason, but I say disagree I because, disagree. I have a, because I have a... So the reason why I disagree with it is like you can't do the opposite of it is because Jesus Christ, when he died, he didn't just die for my sin. He also died for the sin of everyone that hasn't accepted Jesus Christ. People that go to hell, he still died 
for their sins. Sins still needed to have a price paid for. So if I think this is more speaking towards our joy, like how we overcome our own <coughs> sin. Like if we confess, he's going to forgive us. If we don't forgive, if we don't confess, it's not that we're not forgiven. It's more so like, because like, then if, let's say no one confesses. So did God just kill Jesus for no reason? No, he still died for us, I think, but... No, that's just where my mind's going. I don't think you can do okay. the opposite. Okay. But I think it's more just so for the personal. If you confess, you will be forgiven. If you don't confess, that sin has still been paid for. It's not like it just doesn't get paid for. Are you not forgiven if you don't confess? The sin is forgiven, but you, I don't think you're forgiven. I don't know how to... I don't know how to okay, that's going, fine. I don't know. I just... A thought. Oh, yeah, it's on me. Well, I was just going to say, like, the way I read it is just like, as long as we can keep continuing to confess our sins, God will always forgive us. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're saying by his faithful and just to forgive our sins. So you just won't get, like, you keep confessing your sins and then one time, like, you know what, you've seen enough, then uh, I'm done forgiving you. I think this is just being, I say, faithful and just to forgive our sins every, every single time we confess our sins. say the opposite without acknowledging that it's our heart that has to come to him first with submission. So if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us because we have now submitted and received that forgiveness from him, acknowledging with humility what we did. If you're not confessing, it's because you've already acknowledged that you don't need that you have no need for cleansing, that you have no need or really ability to see his faithfulness because why would I see him faithful if I'm good, if I've been good this whole time? If I haven't done anything wrong, then what is there to confess? If I haven't done anything wrong, then why does he need to be just? And how am I going to see him as just? Because I'm a chronic because of pride or arrogance or whatever it is, I'm good. Then there's nothing to cleanse. So no, he's not faithful because why does he need to be? I haven't received it. So I think it comes back to that attitude in which we approach God, which is why this verse gives me so much comfort. Because if we confess our sins to him, if I admit, God, I messed up, he is faithful, and I can see and understand his faithfulness. I can receive his justice. I can understand that he's cleansed me. But if I come to him and be like, God, like, you know, this, that, and the other, this person putting it off, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, then how do I ever expect to receive from him in full? Cool. That's good. I think, you know, any Bible study you're, you're going into, pretty much all comes down to heart condition. All, all comes down to what's what's going on. What what are you really doing? Not not what are you doing. Like not how are you saying it even, but do you mean it? 
So the reason I brought this up and the reason why I'm trying to not make confusion, but to, to pose that question out there, like, okay, if this, then that, what if the opposite? If we don't do this, is it not that? You know, trying to get some critical thinking here to put up, to put God's word against who we know God is, put God's word up against his character so that we can kind of ask ourselves, well, is this God? Is this, is this what the Bible says? Is this who God says he is? So here's the thing. So just in the same way that we looked at last week of know how we're looking at does God forget our sins well yeah it says that you know he, he won't remember our sins so we could just take it at face value and be like well this says he won't remember our sins so therefore he won't remember our sins but that's not what it's saying now as we look at it deeper we saw that it says he won't hold it against us in the same way we saw in first John 3 6 anyone who keeps on sinning doesn't know him face value I lied today, I stole, I cheated, I lusted. Oh, therefore, according to the Bible, I don't know God because I sinned. Well, if that's the case, no one in here or anywhere, anywhere could ever know God because we all sin. But that's not what that said either. It's saying anyone who lives in sin, who has habitual sin, who lives in the sin, won't know God. So here, it's saying the same thing. It's not saying... If you forget to confess one single sin, that's it. You're done. You're not forgiven. That's not what it's saying. Our sins are not forgiven because we forget. Let me add. Each individual sin is not forgiven because we confess. If that were the case, then forgiveness for a sin could only come when there was confession for each individual sin. Then we'd all be damned because it wouldn't be possible for us to confess every single sin we commit. Because we're forgiven, we are forgiven because our punishment was put on Jesus, where we are cleansed by his blood. So with that, if, you know, oh, I, you know, I lied today, or I, you know, took a shortcut and did this today, or I did that, or um, if that were the case, and I'm going down the list, and if I had to recall every single sin... God, forgive me for doing this. God, forgive me for doing that. God, forgive me for doing this. And I list off 99, but I forget like one thing. God's going to be like, ha got you. You didn't confess for everything. That's not the case. That's not our God. He doesn't, say, he, he doesn't say you must confess every single sin or I don't forgive that one. I only forgive the ones that you confess to me. That's not the case. But confess, confession is still important and still vital to maintain a relationship with God. This is the context that John is speaking of here. As God convicts us of sin that's hindering our fellowship with him, then we must confess it and receive forgiveness and the cleansing for our relationship with God to continue without being hindered. So it's, again, it's kind of that heart condition. It's, it's an overarching, have you confessed that you are a sinner to God and have you accepted his forgiveness once and for all? If so, then... You've confessed your sin, and he is faithful. He will forgive you of your sin, of having lived in sin. But now I'm living in Christ. I no longer live in sin, so I don't need to confess every single sin. But because I'm in a relationship with him, I choose to maintain that relationship and say, 
God, I'm sorry for disobeying you. Please forgive me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, in the Passion uh, translation, it has like that footnote, like kind of what you were just saying. It's like, in unrighteousness in this context means the sins we're not aware of. Mm. Like, confession, like, you know, cleanses known sin and like what God kind of shines a light upon, but and it restores that fellowship. But God's faithfulness in seeing Christ as our sin bearer cleanses us from all unknown sin as well. If we do but one thing, God will do four things. Demonstrate his faithful love. Demonstrate justice by counting our sins paid for by Christ. Forgive us of every sin. And continue a deeper work of cleansing from all aspects of sin's defilement. So I think that's really nice to see, especially for me. Because it's like, well, there's some things I probably do all day and I forget. And now it's just... That was just a nice reminder saying, no, he will make aware of what sins he wants you to confess and which ones will shine a light on and which ones that are like really like kind of not destroying, but like affecting the relationship. And then there's some like where he's like, you're not aware of it, but you're already forgiven because of uh, Christ. So I think that was really nice. And piggybacking off of you too. Nice. That's good. Yeah. I like that about the. I was going to say the unknown sins, too. It's like, yeah. how many sins do we not even know about that we committed? <laughs> you know? It's like, good thing we're forgiven for those, too. We don't have to be like, God, forgive me for this, 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 and this that I did. I don't even know if there was anything else that I didn't do. But if I did, God, forgive me for those, too, because I can't list them off because I don't know what I did. Um, but, yeah, that's that's his that's his faithfulness. I think it's really easy to when you're reading the Bible sometimes to confuse salvation and sanctification. Like, it's really easy to look at this and just think, oh, cleansing us from all unrighteousness, that's my salvation. But, I, personally, I really don't think this passage is talking about salvation. I think it's talking about sanctification. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're already saved. But sanctification is the process of becoming more and more like Christ. So, mm-hmm. of growing more like Jesus and helping weed out the sins and the, you know, the, the bad habits and all of that. So it's like as you go through life, because it, I mean, it, as it says, it, you're, it already acknowledges that you have sin, right? Like if we say that we don't, we're making God a liar. We're going to sin, we're going to mess up, but we just continue confessing that to God, and that means that we're setting our heart in the right direction and looking at God, looking towards God and trying to be more like Christ. And as we do that, <clears throat> and as we have that heart posture, he starts to you know, pull those out of us and, and cleanse us and that's mm. sanctification mm-hmm. that's good that's good was it Romans that talked about like knowing God like if you if you have sin that you don't know God is that what it was or was that uh, not sure like well, if you, did we talk about that last week yeah well, we talked about last week how okay. like if you if you keep on sinning then you don't know God oh, oh yeah that was um was first John 3-6 so like which says, by the way, I don't know if it's in context of it, but is it like when like what does that mean by like no God? Like is that like saved or is that like we all don't really know God because we keep sin because we wouldn't sin if we knew God, and that's why we have to put our faith in Jesus so that one day we will know God and then no longer sin, or is it like like well, like what does that no God mean? <laughs> I feel like you're asking something along that lines last week too. I probably did because it's, it's like it's no, it's a good question. I like I don't want to be like like what Zach's friend said, like take every word like from one hundred percent literal. It, I think it really, just but like that could also too. mean something more like 
maybe it's true. Maybe no one in the entire earth knows God. We don't mm. truly know God because if we did truly know God, like we've seen Him face to face, or not, but we die. But either, either sense, you know what I'm saying. Like if we actually knew God and we actually like had that personal relationship, would we sin? Mm-hmm. Would we yeah. keep on sinning? But since we do keep sinning, we don't know Him, and so which means that's why we do have to solely put our faith in Jesus because there's no amount of work any of us could ever do on, in life to actually obtain salvation. The only way to obtain salvation is through Jesus. So is that like further saying how much more you need him? Like he's like the Bible is telling you no one knows God because you keep sinning. It's not as like a like a damnation thing. It's more of like a this is why you need Jesus. And sin, like, sin like itself a further, is separation from God. I think to answer your question simply I would compare knowing him to saying like being in a relationship with him mm-hmm. versus knowing of. Like so your okay. name is Liz. Mm-hmm. I know of Liz. But you she's know. she's mm-hmm. a friend of Matt's who came to Bible study. She came to my house and she, <laughs> she joined us for worship and Bible study. I know of her. I've met her once now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know her. Yeah. I'm not in a relationship. I'm not in relation with her. I don't I don't know her likes or dislikes. I don't I don't have that personal connection with her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in different ways where someone, Liz now knows of Yana. She talked to her for a quick moment, but she doesn't know Yana. Like, I know Yana. Mm-hmm. Where we have that that deeper-rooted relationship. Does that kind of make sense in, in simple terms? Yeah, kind of because, like, because like, you know Yana. Because, like, you know Yana, so that makes you not want to, quote-unquote, sin against Yana. Mm-hmm. Because the more you know a person, the more you love that person... True love is not really a feeling, more so it's an action. Mm-hmm. So is that like what I'm saying? Is like, the more you know God, the less you'll sin. I think the less you'll want that's to sin. Like the, because also, the, yeah, is that like if, the, I, I'm if I do something to hurt Yana, or to do something that would hurt our relationship with mm-hmm. her, I could not tell her, and she may not ever find out. But mm-hmm. because we have that relationship, and I love her, and there's love between mm-hmm. us, and because I don't just know of her, but like I know her, we have this mm-hmm. relationship, I would confess to like, hey babe, like I, you know, I, I did this and, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I asked for mm-hmm. your forgiveness and, um, you know, we can, from there, then grow even closer, which there's the separation because you feel this guilt of like, yeah. oh my God, I did this thing and you feel like there's this separation and there yeah, is because yeah. she might not even know it, but to me, there's this separation, which is going to cause this mm-hmm. natural pull apart. But because I could confess it to her and be like, hey, I'm, I'm really sorry for this. Mm. Uh, hey, I just want to let you know, like, I did this. Um, and I didn't mean to. Or maybe I did mean to, but then, you know, I, I immediately realized I shouldn't have done this. That's going to draw us closer. It might not be instantaneous. It might not be like, oh, this is so great. Oh, yeah, we're close. It might be a little bit of, of, a, of you know, a little bit of bumpiness in the middle. But overall, it's going to draw yeah. us closer together because... Wow, this openness, honesty, this connection, um, and that's the same way it is with God. We could, we could not tell him; he's still gonna he know. Still knows, yeah. He still knows, and in a different way than we might tell a partner, like, "Hey, like I did this." Like, well, you know, I wish you didn't, but thanks for letting me know. God already knows, mm-hmm. but He wants that relation. He wants us to confess because <coughs> it doesn't do anything for Him. He already knows, but it takes the the um the shame and the guilt and the separation away takes that away from as far as the east is from the west. Yeah. Then he can bring us closer and be in closer relation with him again. And is that that, that difference between like when 
you're a sinner and or not, like, if, like, when you say, like, if you sin, you do not know God, is that, like, that difference, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. I get it now. Yeah. Good question. Thank you. Cool. That was a really good analogy, I think. Thanks. That you brought it with you and Yana. Because <laughs> it may put it in, like, a real life thing. You can really yeah. see it, like, that's how, how you, like, that's sure. what love is. Yeah. Right? If you do something that would hurt Haley, Haley or exactly. vice versa. Yep. Sure, you could not tell her. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we look for the You cannot tell her, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. say, say like someone who you know, like like you go to um, mm-hmm. celebrate recovery at LA. Well, that's what I'm saying. That someone was... could not tell their partner, hey, you know, like I've been sober for all this time, but you know, yesterday I went out with some coworkers and I had a drink, and mm-hmm. they, you could not tell your partner, and they may never ever find out. But you're gonna feel this this shame, this guilt, just build up, and it's just gonna put a wall between you guys, and you're just gonna feel like. She, she looked at me when I looked at the, the liquor bottle today, but I wasn't even thinking, like, it's just going to cause shame 100%. and separation, but to be like, hey, you know, I was doing really good, but, you know, I, I had a had a drink yesterday after work, and, um, you know, shouldn't have, I, you know, gave into the pressure of my coworkers going mm-hmm. out, and it's going to, it's going to bring you closer together, where, where the enemy wants, what the enemy wants for evil, be like, I got you, God has a better plan for it to say, there can be reconciliation. You grow a strong relationship with each other. And just a real quick note. Yeah. That's why the that's why marriage here is the closest picture of a relationship mm-hmm. between God and mm-hmm. ourselves that we have biblically. Mm-hmm. Like that is the whole point of men love your you know love yes. your wife the way that Jesus, Jesus. loved the church. Yeah. You know, why submit to your husband in the same way with respect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is the whole point. Like, we take what a marriage is intended to look like from a biblical perspective, the way that God designed it, and that is His love mm-hmm. for us. That's the closest relationship picture that we have, metaphor, to the way that God loved us. So, it's just really cool that we do have a roadmap for that here, and we can have those mm-hmm. real easy, if you will, metaphors and relationships to link us to what, okay, this is what it looks mm-hmm. like when I say that God loves me, like, the way that my husband loves me, the way that my wife loves me, that's what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, that's good. Uh, a few more quick little things on this, and then we're, we're going to move on. Um, the promise here in First John 1, 9 shouldn't lead us into sin, saying, hey, I'll go ahead and sin because God's going to forgive me anyway. But the opposite should be true. It should lead us out of sin, knowing that God can only be faithful and just to forgive us our sins because the wrath we deserve was already poured out on the sin, already poured out on Jesus. Since each sin carries with it its own measure of wrath, in a sense, um, there's kind of equate that to each sin we commit added to the agony of Jesus on the cross in a way to think about it. Um, there's uh, this part I found, it's a little bit of a hard truth, so I don't want to go too you know, deep into it or, or stay on here too long, but I think it's just kind of something that, um, that hit kind of heavy I thought was good to share. There is no more sure evidence is this first John? I'm sorry. No, it's not. It's just a, um, a quote from somewhere. There is no more sure evidence that a person is out of fellowship with God than for someone to contemplate or sin. To com- sorry. Restart here. 
There is no more sure evidence that a person is out of fellowship with God than for someone to contemplate or commit sin with the idea, I can just ask for forgiveness later. Since God is light and in him is no darkness at all, we can be assured that the person who commits sin with this idea is not in fellowship with God. Essentially what that boils down to, again, I said this is kind of a little bit of a hard truth, is people who go about life with the um, the, the thought mentality of, I can sin and just ask for forgiveness later because he forgives, so I can do whatever I want, that that person is not in fellowship with God because that's not what he calls us to do. One other quote to go along with this. No man has ever kept God... Nope, 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 just kidding. No man has ever kept out... Hold on. <laughs> this, this, is a, this is a 1600s quote. I'm like, how to, it doesn't make sense in my mind for a second. Hold on. No man was ever kept out of God's kingdom for his confessed badness. Many are for their supposed goodness. I'll remember that one more time since I finally got my words straight. No man was ever kept out of God's kingdom for his confessed badness. Many are kept out of God's kingdom for their supposed goodness. Essentially rewording it. No one was kept out of God's kingdom for confessing their sins. But many were kept out of God's kingdom for thinking they have no sins to confess to. That was um, a quote by John Trapp, who was a 1600s um, Bible commentator. All right, we're going to move on, because that was, that was good. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 9. I'm turn there. Matthew 6, verse 9. I'm going to read uh, verses 9 through 15. Matthew chapter 6. Verses 9 through 15. Somebody who didn't read that today want to take that? I can, I can read it. Okay, i get a few more seconds for people. I'll sit this one out. It's mm -hmm. hard because it's one of my favorite few verses and book of the Bible. But... Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. I'll read it if someone else wants to. Go for it. Go for it, Caleb. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Awesome. Thoughts, comments, questions? Uh, question... Kayla, was yours NIV or no? ESV. Okay. Um, I guess my take for some part of between 14 and 15 is if it doesn't say trespasses, mine says sin or sins. Um, I think it debts, debtors, temptation. All that seems the same, but I, I always like hearing different translations. Like I think, Haley, you read something earlier from... Uh, the, was it the Passion? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I always like, it's not a bad thing, but from comparing NIV to anybody else who's not reading NIV, um, it's still the same stuff. So that was just my little, not really a question, but side note. Okay. So they, he put here, oh, well, 
Jesus said, you know, he, he gave both sides to it, the 14 and the 15. He gave the flip side to him. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So what is it saying? Does this, does this mean, are we to take this literally? How are we to take this? And what does this mean? And what does this do? And how should this change anything? I don't think it gets much clearer. Yeah? <laughs> I don't think you can say it more clearly. Well, it's like the parable uh, of... The rich merchant. Or the rich, there's a guy with the king, and the king forgives all his sins. But yeah, that one. Or all his money, which is like $11 billion. And then he doesn't forgive his children. We kind of went over that one a little bit when it came to forgetting, right? Mm -hmm. Because the king didn't forget in that case, right? Yeah. He, he forgave it and forgot the debt that didn't come to collect. But he didn't say, like, oh, dang, like, who are you? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, I'm cool with that. I have a question, like, with, because Cameron's, I've never heard it said before, but like salvation or sanctification, is this one of those instances with this? With 14 and 15? Like, is, the more, is this more. Yes, like salvation or sanctification, kind of in the sense like, is it more so teaching you how to get closer to God? More so it being like a full-on, like the same thing, like if you don't know, like God will eventually bring to mind things you've done to others. But if you don't know you've done it to someone, then, you know what I mean? Is this more of like a way you can get closer to God? Like, forgive men of their sins because that's what you should do because then, like having the audacity to ask, like, please forgive me of this, but since he did that to me, don't forgive him. Like, how do you, how can you do that? Mm -hmm. Or is this, like, actual literal, if you do not forgive others, then you too will not be forgiven? What do you think? I think it's... I think it's both, but I, I don't know. That's why, yeah. That, I, I think no it's idea. sanctification, but you can't live like it's sanctification. That's what I'm saying. Like, it feels like it's both, but, like... So, the way that's not... Salvation is, is we are saved by grace. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's your Jesus is Lord. You believe that and have faith. That's salvation. You're mm -hmm. saved. It's not a works-based thing. <laughs> so if if our salvation was based on forgiving others, then it would be works-based. Mm. But it's not. See, I don't know that I agree with that though, because like, forgiveness is part of your faith, right? And it, I can understand that perspective, but you're not necessarily earning anything when it comes to forgiveness right you are you're forgiving a wrong that was done to you but like a lot of the works are like okay if I say a prayer you know five times or whatever it may be um, but I don't know yeah I don't know that that yeah I don't know that I agree with that when it comes to specifically the forgiveness aspect because I don't know I don't it, to contrast that right and we and we dig into this a little bit deeper for if you forgive others their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. I don't see a world in which you can be not forgiven by God and saved, if that makes sense. I don't know how you get salvation without being forgiven. So then you can kind of walk down further, is my thought. I would say let's go at it in the same perspective that we just did previously. Hmm. Let's not look at a, at a, at a basis-by-basis basis kind of you know, viewpoint, but let's look at an overall, where it wasn't because you sin, you don't know God, but 
living that lifestyle. Let's look at it from that perspective. If you show forgiveness to others, God shows forgiveness to you. I think it all comes back to that heart position. If your heart is so hardened that anyone who offends you, you just can't release them from from that that hurt that they put on you, and all you do is hold on to that, and, and you have no love for people, and you're not showing love to people in the, in the way that you just can't forgive a single person who has ever said or did anything to hurt you, then you're not doing the basic command that God said, love God, love people. You're not loving people. I can't say yes or no for your salvation based off of that, because that's up to God. But I would say, God said, I've forgiven you, now go and forgive others. Mm. And I'd say it kind of boils down to that kind of simplicity, right? That, the heart, yeah. What's that, what's that say on your shirt? Simplicity, yeah. No, no, sim, simplexity. Simplexity. Yeah. I think that's the simplexity of it. <laughs> like, we don't need to overcomplicate this. We, I don't think we even need to, like, debate, like, is this salvation or is this sanctification? Mm -hmm. Just forgive others. I think that's really all it boils down to. Like you said, like, with the heart, like, like well, my question was, like, what if you don't know? If your heart is always searching for forgiveness for others, I think that is that what you're saying? Like if your heart is like searching for trying to forgive others, because you may not know if you've hurt someone or you've been hurt by someone, but if your heart is in the right place of I want to forgive everyone, I and you know what I mean? So like if your heart to, is in that, we're about to get into this real good and and like just a moment. Because because like because like well Haley when like when she read her passion one, like unknown sin. It's kind of like the same thing. It's like, you may not know every, like, like we don't have a sin journal. I'm not sitting in my van every day every time I, someone cuts me off or, I'm telling you, sometimes I feel like, like, the worst part of my life is driving. It's like, when I go home, hey, you just need I love with people. Sometimes I get the clicker. Like, I mean, man. Like, I'm like, keeping track. So that unknown, because like, I'm like, it happens, I'm like, I know not to be angry, but I'm like. But it just still, it still overcomes it. I'm like, I'm angry, but I'm like, you shouldn't be angry. For sure. But either way, go for it. Sorry. So putting it, I'll, putting it this way, kind of, I think, saying what you just said, but in a different way. We're talking in, in 14 and 15, we're talking specifically here about the sin of unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so you acknowledge that unforgiveness is a sin. Okay. That is a okay. sin. To not, to, to not mm. forgive in the way that Jesus has called us to is so if you recognize that, putting that in the context of First John one nine that we yes. just read, if we, if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness, and doing the reverse, but with the understanding not of like literal reversing it, but in the sense that our heart conditions when we approach other people mm -hmm. and when we approach forgiveness specifically in regards to other people is what matters and that's what's going to be the key for God is like okay I am digging up the unforgiveness that I mm. hold in myself towards people and that is what God honors and that is what God is pleasing to him and glorifying to him in my prayer life in my relationship now I've released that person from the unforgiveness that I've held on to we can move forward so I don't know if that helps no, that's definitely really good Making that connection well, between good, good connection. And also, I, it, also, it also connects to what um, Julian, your name? Jackie. Jackie. Mine? Yes, you. Jackie. Jackie, <laughs> sorry. The Jackie said it also connects to the, 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 
sin of the, that sin of unforgiveness also pertains to spitefulness, wrath, that sin of wrath. You know, you're holding that grudge, and that can easily turn to hatred. That can easily turn to uh, another type of of um, a darkness that can lead you down to a path of destruction and despair. And if you hold on to that anger, that grudge, it can become something that can further separate yourself from, yeah. from God. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's good because the forgiveness, it's not, the forgiveness isn't even, it, it's for both parties, but a lot of times the forgiveness, the one who is forgiving, is really for yourself because, you know, if you did something that offended me, if I forgive you or not, it doesn't really change much. Like it, it does nothing to you immediately besides mm-hmm. kind of hinder the relationship from, from growing closer. But to me, for me to give that forgiveness, to extend it, say, hey, I forgive you for hurting me, it does everything for me. And and it does stuff for you too, but it's more so for the person giving doing the forgiving. Yeah. Um, although in the opposite sense, God forgiving us does nothing to God. He doesn't need, he can forgive us or not, it changes nothing to him. Mm-hmm. It changes everything for us. We kind of get it. We kind of get it both ways. And, and God is like, I just want you. So I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the L here. Essentially, just I'm. For, I'm giving you free forgiveness because I want a relationship with you. Yeah. And uh, is it just to be 100 percent fair? My su- uh, study Bible here seems to agree more with Brandon than my personal perspective. So, just, <laughs> so, so dig into it a little bit more because it says uh, this one is talking about restoration of personal relationship with God, not to initial justification. So that would be more so on on uh, that side. But yeah, dig into it. Because I was thinking like with like I know I asked that question, but now I'm thinking like I don't think it actually kind of even falls in that salvation or sanctification. I think it falls under like what you were saying with that. Like this is more like a commendment mm-hmm. as far as like this is like a sin like. If you don't do this, you're kind of it's like a sin, but like you can still actually you can still confess like God, there's an, if there's yeah. any unforgiveness in my heart, pull it out of me so that I can recognize what it is, so that I have that ability to confess. Yeah. So right, let's turn to Luke seventeen. It's gonna. Where are we going? I'm sorry. Uh, Luke seventeen, verses three and four. Hold on to your seats, because. <laughs> We're going to get into some, Luke 17, we're gonna get into some forgiveness yeah. here. Luke 17, verses 3 and 4. I like how verse 3 already starts, but we'll wait till we get to it. It's going to be good. All right, Gary, I know you wanted to read something next. you want to go for it? You said 17? Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. Just verses 3 and 4. Take heed to yourselves, if thy brother trespasses against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou thou shalt forgive him. How about them apples? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of the bee's knees. If a person wrongs you seven times a day, and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must only give it the first six times, and the seventh time say, no, that's too much. <laughs> no, it says, each time you must forgive. It doesn't say you should forgive, you can forgive, you must forgive. What about the eighth time? These are, huh? <laughs> the eighth time? 
So to answer your question, I know it was it's somewhat joking, but my, my study Bible does a pretty good job here also. It talks about if your brother sins, refers here to the individual acts of sin, rebuke him. Sin cannot be overlooked, but must be rebuked so that repentance and restoration can occur. If he repents, forgive him. And then it talks about seven times. In Judaism, it was considered honorable to forgive three times. The disciples, as part of the New Covenant community, were to exceed that standard. And that kind of goes with a lot of the other things that Jesus talks about, right? It sees as, oh, sin to commit adultery? Sorry. Sin to lust? Like, do better. Sin to murder? No, sin to hate. Like, and so he, he kind of takes everything up a notch, and it doesn't stop here when it comes to forgiveness. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to read uh, one other part here. Um, if you want to turn there, you can. Otherwise, I'm just going to read it. This is Matthew 18, 21. Uh, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And then Jesus responds, No, not seven times, but seventy, uh, but seventy times seven. Yes, and I said something different. I'm just going to leave that just that. There's there's a lot more before that and after that. You can you can read on your own time. Um, that was Matthew 18, verses 21. Again, you can read before that and after that. But Peter's coming up to him. Exactly what you just said, Matthew. He's, he's coming um, Zach. He's coming up to Jesus like, hey, how many times should we forgive someone? Like, seven? Yeah. Because, like, three was the acceptable, like, already very gracious thing to do. I've forgiven someone three times, but that's enough. He's like, should, I, should we forgive someone seven times? He's like, I'm going to seem pretty high and holy here. Like, Jesus, I should forgive someone seven times, right? He's like, no. Seven times, 70 times. So everyone who's doing the math, that's 490 times. Mm. Now, does Jesus mean if someone offends you 490 times, you say, hey, man, you're still forgiven. 490 times. I'm out of breath. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. 490 times. And then do the same thing a 491th time and like, hey, will you forgive me? Nope! That's it! <laughs> you got 490. That was 7 times 70. That's what my rabbi Jesus said to do. That's it. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Not what he's saying. It's like saying Jesus, Jesus told me to turn the other cheek. It's like, oh, yeah. I got two or four, depending it's on It's like, yeah, it's, it's not even a matter of like, do it this amount of times and that's it. That's not he's, he's saying it, do it in a limited amount of times. There's no limit to how many times you should forgive someone. If someone, like just what it said in Matthew 6, um, what we just read about like, um, if someone forgives you seven times in a day and they ask for forgiveness every time, you should forgive them every time. Well, what about if they do it seven times? Yeah, seven times, 70 times. And then they might get to that point and they just did it 490 times. Like, hey, Jesus, should we just do it 7 times, 70 times? They'll be like, hey, no, about 70 times, 700 times. Like, there's no limit to the amount of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. What if we ask that of Jesus? Said, Jesus, I'm coming to you again for forgiveness. I know it's the third time. Will you, will you be able to forgive yeah. me for a seventh yeah. time? And Jesus would be like, no, I'll forgive this you after seven times, 70 times. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know about you. My... My counter of counting up to 491, 7 times 70, would have ran out a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But Jesus' mm -hmm. forgiveness runs as far as the east is from the west. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, we're told to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Forgive, not just put a limit on it, 490 times, because that's 7 times 70, an unlimited amount of times. Yeah. 
because that's what we have been given. We're supposed to give what we've been received. We've been given Jesus' love. We're supposed to show his love. We've been given a light. We're supposed to show the light. We've been given forgiveness, abundant, a bountiful, a bountiful, mm. I'm say abundant and a bountiful. It came out abundantful. Amount of times Sweet. we should give it an abundant <laughs> amount of times. Unforgiveness in no limit. It's gotta be a sign. It's gotta be like put it up like a like, unlimitless forgiveness. Or a quote. Put it on a post-it note. This could be self-explanatory, but like, what if they don't ask for forgiveness? Do we still forgive? Because like, because I'm, assu- I'm assuming yeah, you yes. Read my mind. <laughs> well, because like, well, because like, it's the same thing with if That's we confess good. our sins to God, okay. He's forgiving us. If he, if we don't confess our sins, but is it they're still forgiven? Because like, should we still like? Yes. Should we still forgive them? Yes. Yes, because remember, it's for your heart. It's for our heart, mm-hmm. exactly. It's not to theirs, but like, like back to what she was saying, we mm-hmm. have darkness in our heart. Like back what uh, we read the first passage, it uh-huh. says God, God is light. Yes. And He has no darkness. Mm-hmm. So we were asked to be that light of the world. Are asked to be the light of the world, mm-hmm. and we can't have no darkness in God. So we have to, we forgive even if they didn't ask. Or we cannot have that darkness in mm-hmm. our heart. And I think that we're gonna bring goes. that back. Ten best points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like well, two of my questions I've got people to. <laughs> but, but. You'll, you'll get a five point commission from me. <laughs> <laughs> Ten best points. What, I, what I'm saying because like that really points to like when he tells us to go out into the world and be the light of the world. I think we're not saying we, we are God, but to be as Christ-like as possible. So when even if they don't ask for forgiveness, let them know that we forgive them, not just. Secretly in our closet, go. Timmy punched me in the face today. I, he didn't really ask for forgiveness, but I guess I'll forgive him. And then tomorrow, have a really crappy attitude with him. Mm-hmm. Imagine if God did that, like with us, because I don't think God's a God of thunderbolts. Yeah. He still loves us. He still gives us blessings. So even if that person still doesn't ask for forgiveness, I still think we should also still I'm not saying everyone's perfect, but we should try to forgive that. And then a two-parter on that. I think it really goes to like because like for me. I forgive a lot. Like, I've always been told, like, Gary, you say sorry too much, or you're always too forgiving. I'm like, I used to think it was, like, a curse. But, like, I love being forgiven. But, like, I always feel like it's way easier to forgive someone. Like, immediately. Like, when they say they're sorry, like, when someone says they're sorry to me, like, my little brother, I've never heard this kid say sorry a day in his life. I don't know what it is. I don't know if that's a thing they don't teach kids no more, hmm. saying sorry. But, like, when I was a kid, when I was, like, I mean, I might have said it a lot, but I still... I said I was sorry at least, but like, and I still forgive him all the time, but like, how much easier would it be if we actually, if, if when someone says I'm sorry, bro, I don't care what you've done. If you come up to me and you say, you, I'm sorry, Gary, I'm sorry, it's even, I'm like, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And now let's, let's also look at it, uh, and, and let me add one other practical, you know, thing to add on to this for, for real life mm-hmm. scenario. If I leave my wallet around mm-hmm. and say, who can I pick on? If I leave my wallet around and Kayla comes up to me or maybe I find out that she stole a few bucks from me or she tells me like, hey, um, <laughs> maybe she comes up to me like, hey, Ben, I'm sorry. I saw your wallet around and, and I need a few more bucks for my Starbucks. And, um, Perfect Starbucks, example. Perfect Starbucks, example. You know? And so you know, I took a few bucks. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. What, can you forgive me? Sure, Kayla. I can forgive you. Thanks. Um, and then it happens again. And it happens again. Yeah. And it happens again. Well, you know what? I should probably not leave my wallet around. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, and that's just a being a silly example. But in the same way, if we're getting constantly hurt, mm. offended, mm-hmm. abused in any sort of way, physically, mentally, emotionally, like any sort of way, don't leave your wallet around. Don't give someone that opportunity to do it again. If they do it again and they ask for forgiveness, we're called to forgive them. Don't leave your wallet around. We don't give, but we don't forgive. Yeah. I mean, don't, you know, if someone's, or if someone, I don't know, maybe I don't want to say anything else on that again, but yeah, just, you don't have to continue to put yourself in a situation to be hurt or taken advantage of just so you can offer your forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You don't have to keep, you don't have to keep putting yourself in that situation right. just because you feel, well, Jesus said I I'm have gonna to say, him. Hey, I'm going to continue forgiving Caleb, but maybe this time I'll just keep my wallet in my pocket this time instead of right next to her. Mm-hmm. Like, don't try to look for that, like, don't try to get people in trouble. Or look for the easy like, way don't out. Don't be like, yeah, the easy way out or, yeah, but like, don't try to like just Blame constantly try to be like, well, I ain't got no money because Caleb keeps stealing money on my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you've been leaving your wallet around, not something you, not saying you shouldn't. Perfect. Mm, well said. Boundaries are completely valid and needful in order for us to maintain proper mm. relationship with God, with ourselves, with those around us. So it doesn't mean you gain the same access to me as you once did because mm. there is still broken trust that happens mm. when sins are committed against each other. So it's a process of rebuilding that and it's a process of rebuilding that trust and finding that way again. It doesn't mean that now all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to fully accept everything because I've forgiven you. That's not what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness is not equated to complete and total acceptance and absolution of everything that person did. It's, I'm choosing not to hold this against you anymore so I can free myself Mm. from any bitterness, anger, and whatever else Mm -hmm. that's been stirred up inside me. But we need to talk about how our relationship continues to grow moving forward and what that conversation looks like. That's the, the other part mm, yeah. of yeah, this conversation. Yeah. That's a very practical part. That's really good. And I think like you said, this is not, we're not talking about situations of abusive relationships or abuse of any kind. Like, that is, I don't even know how you can, like that is between God and that person, that is between you know, all of that, but that's, we're not calling for you to stay in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. and big things are happening. That's absolutely not mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Yeah. And also, it makes me think uh, think about my own experience that it's okay to walk away. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. okay to give space. And sometimes when someone has hurt you and you've been in th- that abusive relationship, that broken promise and trust, it is okay to forgive and love from afar and you know sort of come around check in like have you learned your lesson yet no okay (laughs) see you know i'll check you later like five ten years down the road for sure sometimes it meet again and just like i I see it as like sometimes god gives us these windows these peaks yes of um, you know sometimes you you someone has wronged you for so many years ago and then you just happenstance you know bump into that person mm-hmm. and you sort of you know talk or exchange words and then you know you get to see it's like okay have they changed is it ready for a relationship and then you realize 
oh, maybe there is something. And then other times it's like, yeah, not yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just circle back around yeah. and see you in the well, next 10, 15 no, I mean, yeah. Yeah. the yeah. piggyback I got out of that is if someone deserves a second chance, it could be a friend, it could be a coworker, it could be anybody. If you think that person deserves a second chance, I'm a person who believes in that. And I hope there's others who mm-hmm. can say the same, that if someone has wronged you or wronged on you, then at the same time be like, okay, either you cut the ties and you go your separate ways, mm-hmm. and hopefully you don't cross paths. But if you do and you're in that scenario where it's in public or you arrange one-on-one mm-hmm. to say, okay, the past is behind us, we both had rough patches or maybe just one person had a rough patch that wronged did you or vice versa, Put that all aside and say, hey, clean slate, you know, wipe the hands clean, move on, and be like, this is where we stand now. We've probably had time to work out our, you know, um, work out whatever happened, and uh, we can try it again. So, yeah. final. Oh, I was going to add just real talk with her, like that candle of hope. Like, you know, that's one of the things that I, I like to do, just light a candle of hope at people. Well said. Yeah. Forgiveness doesn't mean let's rewind and nothing ever happened. Right. A lot of times, like you guys were saying, like we put up boundaries and mm-hmm. things aren't always, hey, I forgive you. Let's do this all over again. A lot of times it might be, yes, I forgive you, but let's talk about how to mm-hmm. move forward from here. Right. Hey, Kayla, you know, I, I extend my forgiveness. I no longer hold it against you for stealing the money from my wallet, but let's talk about this because I would like my money to not be stolen from my wallet anymore. <laughs> I'm going to ask that you, you know, don't go into my wallet anymore. I'm also going to do my part to not leave my wallet unattended. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from here, I, you know, we're, we're going to set up these boundaries. And, you know, I, I don't like to, you know, hang out with you once a week now so that I only have my wallet around you so often. You know, <laughs> super silly example. And Kayla has never stolen from me. <laughs> but <laughs> I have not. <laughs> but it's that same thing of, hey, this person hurt me. Um... I do offer my forgiveness. I no longer hold it against you, but these boundaries need to be set up. Maybe things don't look the way that it used to anymore. Things are going to change a little bit. We might not see each other as often. We might not have this closeness like we used to, but I don't hold that sin against you anymore. One final thing. I want to try to wrap this up real quick. One final point I wanted to hit. Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 through 6. I'm going to read this. You can turn there if you like. Otherwise, it will be real quick. Matthew 9, 2 through 6. This is asking the question... Does Jesus have the authority to forgive? Sorry, answering that question of if Jesus has the authority to forgive. Matthew chapter 9, 2 through 6. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on the mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, That's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, go home. The man jumped up and went home. So Jesus, you see, has the authority to forgive. Because he told the paralyzed man, You're forgiven. It'd be super easy for me to say that, too. Be like, Kayla, your sins are forgiven. Now let me prove to it. Fly. 
do something you're not able to physically do. Well, if Kayla just got up and flew, well, I gave her the power to do that. That's a lot harder for me to give that authority than to just say these words that your sins are forgiven. A paralyzed man who cannot walk. Mm. For me to just say, hey, dude, your sins are forgiven. Wow, thanks. Appreciate it. But who are you? But for me to say, stand up and walk. And for him to just stand up and walk from nothing else happening other than those words being said from him shows he has the authority to just speak life and life happens. He has the same authority to speak forgiveness and there's forgiveness granted. So just wanted to throw that in there because that's an important thing to, to discuss. I know we didn't leave a whole lot of time for that, but we had good discussion today. I really enjoyed it. Um, maybe this was even ambitious. This could have been broken out into another week, but um, we had great questions, great comments, great conversation. Um, I would open it up to any final thoughts and questions if it doesn't isn't a huge tangent. Yes. Final thought, not a huge tangent because I just have a question about it if it's yeah. in the Bible or not because I couldn't find it. I think it's in First Corinthians seven. Talks about like marriage and like specific things like if certain 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 things happen in a marriage. And I think I don't I can't couldn't find the verse, but it talks about like in abusive situations. Now it says like if you are abused, like if you have like fear for the safety of a child or even yourself as a woman, and I guess also as a man depending on the situation, but to remove yourselves from that house. Don't just stay there and get abused. Don't just stay there and don't do that. Sure. It tells you clearly, remove yourself from that house. Like, I don't know about divorce-wise or whatever, but like, you need to be removed. You cannot, do not just sit in that situation. So I think in that same sense with everything, Kayla stay on everyone's wallet and money. <laughs> don't just leave it there. Don't. <laughs> Remove that. Remove. Don't remove an opportunity of sin from someone. You know what I mean? Don't just like, don't try to play God and be like, well, I'll put the situation here to see if they sin. If they don't, I'll catch them and right. say, ha ha. In the same way, God doesn't come to us. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then, yes. Yep. God allows, I guess, temptation in our lives, but he does. He's not like sticking little breadcrumbs around, going, mm-hmm. oh, do this, do this, do this. But like any temptation in our life, it's another. It's another Corinthians. Uh, Corinthians is great, by the way, huh? 10-13, what we can handle. Yeah. So, and that's like a battle prayer people say or whatever. And we are tempted. Verse. He is faithful and just, just. to oh, no, no. deliver us. Yes, to throw all this provided way out. Yes. Yeah. So, but I was just saying, because that abuse thing, that is kind of like a real touchy thing, especially people will try to like attack Christians on that. Like, well, you you approve abuse. And it's like, at least people have told me that. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what Bible you're reading. But, like, well, that's what I'm, like, I'm saying. Like, people are like, I, I hate it because it's like, at the time this was all being said, it's probably the most progressive type of stuff, like, ever. Like, you like, everyone was talking about, like, getting a divorce. Jesus was, like, telling other men, was like, you can't just divorce your wife because you don't like her anymore. Like, that's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you just can't do that. Because people were doing, like, if it was, like, if they could find, if they, all, all they did, huh? Let me stop you here. Sorry. Yeah. We'll talk later. Well, it was more just related to what we were just talking about, but like the enemy does have a plan for your life yes. as well. So mm-hmm. the temptations that we face, like mm. it, we are called to be on alert as well because he prowls like a lion, right? right? Looking for someone to devour. If we are not on our guard, it's so easy to slip yeah. into. Temptation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, without even yeah. Yeah. I have one final thought. I think the whole scope.
appropriate edge of the passage for you just right it's about opening the gates of healing you know it it um it takes a lot of courage and it's what you're in to say to heal and to heal those relationships to heal those injuries and to not only build a new relationship with others but while you're even building those relationships with others either near or far you're also building those relationships from Christ to Okay. Well, That's good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to close down prayer and then we'll split for a little bit. God, we thank you so much for who you are and uh, the forgiveness that you so freely chose to, to extend to us. We thank you that you don't count how many times we run to you asking for forgiveness, even in the same sin over and over, that, that your forgiveness isn't limited to, to seven times or to seven times, 70 times. It's it's not even countable of how many times you say that we are forgiven, uh, that you extend it as far as the east is from the west, which is just unlimited amount of forgiveness. We thank you so much that you're so gracious and, and merciful to, to offer that freely for no reason other than wanting to be in relationship with us, which doesn't make sense why you would want to be in relationship with us, but you do. We thank you for that love, that unconditional love that just makes no sense and you're just so good all the time and all the time you're so good we thank you for who you are thank you for the forgiveness that you offer to us help us to not live each day or to go into any moment of saying that i might as well just do this because i'll be forgiven anyway help us to get out of that mindset for if anyone is in that mindset um, that we want to stay in closer relation to you and grow closer and closer to you every day that we choose to offer forgiveness and we choose to confess our sins to you. Um, thank you for everyone in this group. Thank you for the amazing conversation and discussion that we had here. Thank you for showing up today, God. Thank you for speaking through me. Um, I ask that if I spoke anything that isn't from your word, that isn't from you, that you help to correct that. Um, but yeah, God, I, just, I pray that this um, excitement in the conversation is, is stirred in people, that they continue to dive into these passages and to dive into your word each day and to, to see more of who you are and, and grow closer to you each day in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.